You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Play Fantasy Spaceball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We are now a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D. Mindy here. I'm joined by Torta Al Fromagio. That's Art Tornabeni, aka Little Cheesecake VLC. LC, how's it going? It's going. It's going really well. What what language was that? That's my Italian. Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh. I, I I love it. You got to spend some time there sometime. It's beautiful country. I I went there for a week a few years ago. No, ten days a few years ago. It's beautiful there. Uh, you know, bring bring the misses. You you two would love it there. Oh, I didn't know you were a well traveled man. Uh, Italy. Not- did, Not as well-traveled as I'd like to be, but I, I spent <laughs> 10 days there, you know? Oh, well, you learn something new every day. Is the pizza what they say it is? Is it that good? Uh, the pizza is pretty good. The thing that you want to know is if you go to Italy, don't go to the restaurants that have pictures of their food outside. That's Ooh. that's the tourist trap. That's what I learned. Uh, so I spent, you know hours of my trip looking for restaurants that did not have pictures of food on it. I'm not sure if that was the best way to spend my trip, but uh, that's the way I did it. Well, you know what? If you take something away from this podcast, I just learned if I go to Italy that I'm not looking for restaurants with pictures of food. That is super valuable information only the LC can give us here. Uh, We have another guy here joined by a man who calls my dog his slutty nephew. It's Eric (laughs) Mendelson, aka The Doc. What's going on? Are we allowed to say the first word, slutty? Are we allowed to? I guess I just did. So I mean, his dog is slutty. I mean, it's <laughs> it's 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 true. But yeah, man, life is good. I don't know what makes him that way, but you also rile him up like crazy every single time when you send me Snapchats of you coming in, letting him out, letting him take cushions off the couch. That's just my way of him of saying to you that he loves me more than he loves you. No, you're just like the uncle that lets him do whatever he wants. And that's why he gets excited. I am, and that's why he loves me more than he loves you. I don't think so. Um, but today's episode, we got a nice one for you. Our quarter season review. The MLB season has reached the quarter mark, and it's our job today to answer uh, some questions that need an answering, if you get what I mean. What to do with struggling high-end pitchers? Are some breakouts for real? What do you think of these closing situations? And much more. And we're going to be doing that today with High Stakes Man and one half of the Source podcast, Dave McDonald. So make sure to stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which current MLB player would make the best actor and our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it. 
got a nice break of that for me last week. Uh, Gosh, with with my new headphones, that just sounds awful. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back. I'm fired up. And we got a lot of news, boys. Uh, Let's start today with the most exciting news, and that's the debut of Alec Manoa, uh, who's arguably now become the top pitching prospect in the big leagues, was dominating AAA, comes up today against the Yankees, and had 7Ks and 6 scoreless innings, 13 total whiffs, and a 35% CSW. Looked like everything and then some, what they were calling from Alec Manoa. Uh, Cheesecake, I don't know how much you've dove into Alec Manoa, but were you impressed with the stuff that you saw from him today? Well, he's a young guy, uh, and Toronto's desperately in need of some pitching. You know, they need to they need to get those good starters out there. I didn't get a chance to watch him today. Um, I was working. I had a big day at work all day. But uh, obviously that, that stat line, six innings, two hits, two walks, seven Ks, no earned runs, that is something that is impressive for a first uh, first start. Is even if the Yankees aren't quite up to their normal uh, high offensive standards, going going to uh, going to Yankee Stadium, walking in there for your first MLB start, and putting that in, that is impressive. Yeah, I think everybody's feeling the FOMO that they didn't get him, or if he's in Fab. Cheeksake, what do you expect he's going to go for in Fab? Because I'm I'm going to be out like just astounded to probably see the numbers that he goes for. Uh, you know, uh, people still have some some cheddar left in their fab budgets. So you know, two hundred more than two hundred probably. Well, I was thinking, of, I was thinking three hundred plus. Yeah, three hundred. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, we'll we'll see. I mean, there'll be a, there'll be a league or two where someone gets a nice sweet bargain on them, and they're going to be you know strutting after that. But uh, two three hundred, I, I think that's going to be about average. What do you guys think, David? Yeah, I think that's that's probably right around 200, 300. Uh, there's not too many big name pitching probably call ups that are going to happen the rest of the year. So people that need pitching help and it's scarce are probably going to go all in on this. Um, so I won't be surprised to see a third of people's fat budget being spent. Uh, but there's some other news we're going to get to here. Braves left fielder Marcelo Zuna revealed in his Instagram story that he'll most likely be sidelined for at least six weeks after dislocating two fingers on his left hand. Now, this is another tough blow to the Braves after they lost Mike Soroka, Travis Diarno, and Waskari Noah for most of the rest of the season. Any potential options that you're picking up to replace Marcelo Zuna, Doc, in Atlanta? Uh, no. Uh, to be honest, I think a lot of the players that they had, the Austin Rileys, the Johan Camargos, the Enciartes over the years that were platoon guys are now kind of getting everyday roles. It's kind of unfortunate. It just seems like the injuries keep piling on and on. Every news and notes is just an injury recap session. It pretty much is. You're scary the amount of time it takes just for the news and notes for each week, uh, just in a week of news that pile up. Another big thing that happened, the Yankees announced right-hander Corey Kluber left his start against the Blue Jays with tightness in his pitching shoulder. He underwent some MRIs and is determined he's going to miss the next eight weeks. Um, so it's not looking too good for Kluber right now. I don't know if there's anything to do with him pitching the no hitter and going above a hundred pitches, but nobody likes to see this cheesecake. Are you expecting maybe Delvi Garcia to come in here and, and, and potentially take the innings that Kluber was going to pitch? What do you do if you have Corey Kluber? You got to drop him at this point. I mean, he, he was, he was great in that no hitter. Um, but you know, you got to drop him eight weeks is too long to sit on him unless, you have like I'm in a league where we have ten IL spots, where you can you can sit on a guy for eight weeks and that's fine. But 
But uh, if you're in a league that is normal, like two two IL spots, or it's a NFBC league where you're just, you know, you have seven reserve spots, and you're probably sitting with three or four guys already on the IL. Eight weeks is probably a bit too long to hold on to somebody, especially someone like Kluber, whose really only impressive start was that no hitter this season so far. Davey Garcia, yeah, that's who I that's who I think is probably going to get get to get his rotation spot. Um, someone who was a, a darling of the community coming in and and really hasn't pitched much so far. What do you guys think? Whoa, 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 whoa! To Cheesecake's point, he had an eight inning, two hits, one walk, ten K game, albeit against the Tigers. Is that not an impressive outing? Uh, I missed that one. You're right. You're right, Doc. He's it's because it was against the Tigers. That's why. Your excuse. Two good games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Corey Kluber, we uh, uh, big friend of the show, Sammy Reed, called that on our program, and he was right when he's been healthy. He he 100% called that. He was helping teams, and especially for his value, was was super great. But again, injuries, just it just stinks, man. It just really stinks because – you like to be able to see these pitchers play out like you think it's going to. And especially this year, it's been awful. Staying with the awful news, if you've been stashing nowhere Syndergaard, I think it's time to quit as he's been shut down from throwing for the next six weeks due to inflammation in his right elbow. Luis Rojas announced to reporters today. Uh, you both on board with just dropping him? Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. Moving on, the Marlins placed third baseman Brian Anderson on the 10-day IL with a injured uh, on the injured list with a left shoulder supplication. Um, sub, look, supplication, yeah, I said that right. Um, so Isan Diaz is going to be brought up from the, uh, or brought off the 10 day IL in a corresponding move. The Royals announced that they've activated shortstop Adalberto Mondesi from the injured list and he's been back in the lineup. Uh, do either of you have any Adalberto Mondesi shares? I had him in our redraft league, but had to drop him. So you say, yeah, did I'm- you have any? I had him in some best ball leagues and uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's great because uh, my best ball teams are not doing that that well so far. He had a couple of doubles in his, his first game on his return. So you'd expect that he's going to start potentially giving that value that you thought you were going to get from him there. This one's an interesting one. The Indians will play starter Zach Plesak on the 10 day IL with a non-displaced fracture in his right thumb. According to Zach Meisel of the athletic, he suffered the injury while rather aggressively taking off his undershirt, manager, manager Terry Francona said. So you have first Lazaro with his finger in the video games, Waskari Noah punching and breaking his hand. Is this the worst of it all, Cheesecake? I don't know how you aggressively take off a shirt. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I mean, maybe he got caught on something. I don't know. I think, I think we know is probably the worst uh, because he, you know, he punched a bench, which is obviously stupid. Uh, taking off a shirt, usually not a dangerous activity. So I, I don't think this is the worst. But, uh, you know, Plesak was prob- was the uh, was the highest drafted out of those three. That's for sure. So it's it's the biggest, biggest pain for his owners. I was joking that I said, was it like an underarm shirt or something? An Under Armour shirt? Because you know how like those stick to your skin and like mm-hmm. they're super tight, especially if you're sweaty. Like it had to have been an Under Armour shirt. I can't think of any other shirt that's that tough to take off. Yeah, I just think Jack, I just think he's an idiot. Uh, too. <laughs> the uh, the Rangers announced a series of roster moves on Tuesday, most notably putting right-hander Kyle Gibson on the ten-day IL with a right groin uh, groin strain. He's actually been one of the best pitchers since his debut, where he got shelled uh, during that time, dating back to April seventh. He has a one five zero ERA, a twenty point three percent strikeout rate, and a six point nine percent walk rate. 
to go along with a 52.7% ground ball rate. So hopefully he'll get back there and get in your lineup soon. Phillies announced that right-hander Bryce Harper is headed to the 10-day IL with a forearm contusion. He was out of the team's lineup both Sunday and Monday before he was placed there. Roman Quinn is expected to be called up to take his spot. Harper got off to a brilliant start, but uh, and that number was a 274, 395, 49 slash through his 162 first trips to the plate. But after that, people were saying, um, again, that they think this was long bugging him. He's been in a two for 25 tailspin. So uh, not good. Not good. If you're a Harper owner, you have to, I think, be a little concerned. Uh, Cheesecake, I know you're a big Harper owner. Is that kind of in your mind? I mean, I, I'm not concerned. I'm glad they're putting him on the on the IL to get right so that he can come back and hit like I expected him to hit this season. Because I really, I called him to be the MVP of the National League. And I do think that he came out came out really well. And But this, you know, this nagging injury, hopefully he gets right and gets back to how he was hitting earlier in the season. Agreed. The Cardinals announced Tuesday that center fielder Harrison Bader is headed to the 10 day IL after being diagnosed with a hairline fracture on one of his ribs. That's definitely going to be a long-term injury there. In a rare May swap, the Rays have traded shortstop Willie Adamas and righty Trevor Richards to the Brewers in exchange for right-handed relievers J.P. Feverison and Drew Ramason. Rasmussen. Ramason. Uh, I love these last names. You would have thought Wander was the next guy up, right? But no, that's not the case. They brought up Taylor Walls after this trade was made to uh, the disheartening thing of every single person, out, not just race fans, but every single fantasy fan out there. Adamus has been a sound defensive option they've lacked all season for the Brewers. I think that's the main part of this, uh, why the swap was made. Orlando Arcia, who um, they're pretty much, I think, giving up at this point. Uh, he had negative uh, runs saved over at shortstop. So this is going to, I think, help solidify the defense for the Brewers, especially because Adamus is hitting just 197 through his first 142 plate appearances this season. Uh, Fair Eisen is, um, I think, kind of an interesting guy here as he's pitched to a 3-2-6 ERA through uh, just over 19 innings at the time of the trade and a 26% strikeout rate and a 47.7% ground ball rate. Walks have always been a problem for him, and he actually blew the save yesterday, even though he was able to get the win in that game. So he's going to probably be in the mix for saves in that Tampa Bay bullpen. Um, so it's interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. The twins have placed right-hander Kenta Maeda on the 10 day IL due to a groin strain. Nick Gordon was called up to replace him. Maeda's definitely not been, I think what everybody was hoping for this season. Uh, he's underwhelmed with a five two seven ERA and a four thirteen Sierra through his first 42 and two thirds innings. And his stack cast numbers are more or less down from across the board in 2020. Notably, his strikeout rate is only 20.5%, which is a big drop-off from his career norms of around, uh, which was a career best 32.3% in 2020. Elsie, or, uh, Doc, are you concerned about Kenta Maeda? I wasn't a big fan of him going into the season. I think he's put together good stretches, but just never screamed an ace to me, especially where he was going in NFBC round four, round five. But you have to figure groin strains, oblique strains, those are parts of your body that you use in every action that you do. And it's not mm-hmm. like you can really rest up without just being kind of stationary. So I'm a little concerned. I mean, if this is what he looked like prior to the injury, you figure he's going to be out a little bit because the twins might want to preserve him and see if he has any bit left in the tank, you know, middle and later of the season. Well, the twins are, I think, at the point right now where they're 
starting to look at probably selling. And I think they're going to hope he's out there to probably increase some trade value. He's on a, a decent contract. Does that and, hurt to say, David, as a Twins fan? Does I mean, hurt? I didn't. I, they never win anything anyway. So I'm pretty much emotionless when it comes wow. to them at this point. That's it's rough. True. It's true. I mean, they've, they've been so bad for so long. Uh, even if when they're good, they always disappoint in the playoffs. So, um, But I think I did rekent to my eight is expected to be out longer than the 10 days. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, someone else that I'm kind of feel bad for, Miles Michaelis, left his start first off the IL against the Cubs before the fifth inning. Uh, it was announced he was removed with right forearm tightness and placed on the 10-day IL. It had marked his return to the big league mound for the first time in 19 months. So um, I feel very bad for him. Who knows if he's going to be able to pitch again, depending on what happens with that. Tony Gonsolin isn't far away from the Dodgers that need some pitching help. He tossed uh, his first rehab assignment, three scoreless innings, allowed just one hit. So he'll look to take about one more start and then join the Dodgers rotation. Fran Mel Reyes was diagnosed with a internal oblique strain and will miss the next five to seven weeks. Hertz is a Fran Mill owner for sure. Those of Fran Mill are letting out that collective groan. Uh, so he had been crushing the ball, hitting 257, 316, 576 slash with 11 homers through 158 plate appearances. That was a equivalent to a 139 WRC plus. Only 12 players in baseball at the time have had more homers than Reyes so far this season. The Blue Jays announced they've placed third baseman Kevin Biggio on the 10-day IL with a cervical spine ligament sprain. Pretty much his neck is not doing good. That's another way to say that. He's hitting just 205 this year with three home runs across 151 plate appearances. I think a lot of people are taking their victory laps, not drafting Kevin Biggio. Do either of you have any Kevin Biggio? Nope. No, I'm, I, I don't have any. I have everybody that you probably named besides Kevin Biggio. There we go. Jacob DeGrom was activated on Tuesday, pitched well against the Rockies in his first start off the aisle, so get him back in your lineup. And then the last but not least, Scott Kazmier started against the Dodgers last week. It brought a tear to my eyes seeing one of my childhood pitchers actually still pitching. Do you guys, uh, what do you guys think of this comeback story? Kazmier's been coming back. This is like the third comeback for him. I feel great for him because he's 37. It's almost my age. So keep going, Scotty. You and Rich Hill. You guys are my boys. <laughs> Doc, did you like that long hair? Because I thought that looked ugly on him. Scott Casimir is always going to have a special place in my heart because that's how I beat Eric Cross in our game when we did the debut versus how they how old they are now. And we only did retired players, and he was retired at the time. Bless uh, you, Scott Casimir. There we go. Well, a lot of news and notes, but it ended on a bright note with uh, Scott Casimir returning and just making us all nostalgic and proud. So if you like those moments, make sure you never miss a show by clicking that subscribe button wherever you find your podcasts. Make sure you never miss any of these. I'm telling you, it's super important. Want to hear more triple play? Great news for you. We have a fantasy football and basketball show you can check out available anywhere you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the content, how about hooking us up with a five-star rating and review? Check us out on all our socials at Trip Play Fantasy and the website TripPlayFantasy.com. You'll see Doc tweet about things you don't care about, but somehow gets interaction. You'll see tons of articles, videos, podcasts, and even some movie reviews. So make sure to check all that stuff out. Remember, if you're looking for a podcast that will make you feel like you're back in the good old days that were the 1990s, we're talking about where there was more sugar on Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You'd call your girlfriend from the phone booth and Twitter sounded like something you might do with your thumbs rather than being on the computer. Look no further than this podcast right here, because I'm telling you, it just might change your life. And we're going to jump into the quarter season review with Dave McDonald, 
right after this quick break. But before we go, I want Cheesecake to take the mic for a second because he just wants to tell the listeners something really quick before we go to the main part of the show here. Yeah, I just wanted to say um, to all the the triple play baseball, fantasy baseball show fans, I'm going to be stepping away for a little bit to deal with some personal issues that need my my complete focus at this time. Um, I'm not exactly sure how long I'm going to be away, but uh, but you know I'm going to miss you guys. And once I'm done taking care of all this stuff, I'll be seeing you guys again. But uh, I just want to make sure you guys knew so you didn't come back next week and want to know where the best looking part of this trio is. So. Um, just want to get that out there and uh, let you guys know I'm going to be missing y'all. Yeah, and again, this show is not the same without Cheesecake. We're going to do our best to hold it down without him. As long, hopefully, he'll be back sooner rather than later. Um, but we are definitely not a full team without him, and this show will not go on long term without my guy Cheesecake. So he is 100 percent going to be back. Don't worry. We all we all uh, we get along so great, and we all enjoy doing this together. When we when we started this, it was a pact and um eric and i uh are here to uh support cheesecake in any way and we we love him and um we'll be very happy when he comes back but until then we'll we'll definitely make sure we uh we do the best to feel your presence even though it can definitely not be felt i'm gonna so. miss i'm gonna miss david using the my god are you still talking our podcast might be shorter but <laughs> in in all in all seriousness um you know i'm glad that cheesecake is taking time to to you know address the personal needs is in, in his life and i hope for anybody listening to this that you do the same if needed um those those personal matters should be first and foremost bef- before anything else so um you know just we thank everybody for listening um and just for supporting us we really do and we'll be right back after this quick break Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Back at you again tonight. Back at you with another live triple play fantasy baseball show. I'm joined by a handsome gentleman to my right, of course. That is the LST, Mr. Cheesecake. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, sir. How about yourself? I'm doing well. It's nice to see you, my friend. It's uh, it's always good to see you in the dungeon. But then obviously you got the yin and the yang. So we have the guy at the bottom right of the screen that always uh, balances out the good and the bad there. It's the doc. What's going on? Hey, David. Uh, it's nice that you've matured and not stooped to my level. So I, you're I like ugly. <laughs> you're ugly. There you go. Uh, your insults don't hurt me. And I'm going to tell you what. The reason they don't hurt me is because there is a man that's right below me, right there, that uh, I am so pumped to bring on the show tonight, <laughs> wearing the famous pitching ninja hat, ready to give you some of the advice that you need. We welcome in a man. That might roar because he's from the Rotosaurus podcast, if you ask him nicely. The, this Zach Plesakian owns numerous NFBC high-stakes titles and remains incredibly humble along the way. Ladies and gentlemen, he placed 10th in the overall in the 2019 NFBC main event, helps run Glarf, and has been called the strategy guru. We are now entering 
a consortium tonight as the two Daves have joined forces. We welcome in Dave McDonald. How is it going, my friend? Hey, good to, good to be here, man. That was a hell of an intro, Dave. Appreciate you. Um, pumped to be here with you, boys. Hey, man. Again, one of the most respected guys in the industry. I love all the stuff that you put out there. It's well-researched. It's well-backed. And uh, I'm pumped to have you on just to help our listeners with a lot of these struggling problems tonight. Um, and before we get into that, though, I got I to gotta say, man, like people are giving you a lot of problems about the Zach Pisak stuff. <laughs> but on the same token, you were one of the guys that was also pumping up Randy or Rose Arena. And I think people were kind of skeptical of the, if hey, is it just a short sample size in the playoffs? Like he can't hit the breaking ball, this, all that kind of stuff. But Randy Rose and Arena has really come on. And I'm going to be honest, again, like I, for the most part, I usually kind of stick to my own processes, but I do listen to some others and just hear kind of what's behind their thinking. And I took Randy Rose Arena and TGFBI because of what you and Jake were saying. And oh. it's really starting to pay off. So I think you should definitely talk about uh, some of that, because I think people need to hear that you're right about a lot of things too. And people shouldn't just give you crap about the one call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, everybody in the industry, you're, you're going to be right about stuff. You're going to be wrong about stuff. Um, last year I, I told everybody that Bieber was the best pitcher in baseball and, and that worked out really well. Uh, this year, obviously I was like known as the Zach Plesa guy. I wasn't like as high on him as I was on Bieber the previous year, but I was just higher than the market was really. And, uh, you know, I saw flashes this year, what I saw in him last year, but he, he was really inconsistent. I think he just uh, he hadn't fully put it together yet. I, I still think he'll be solid when he comes back and everything, but you can't you can't not think of him as a disappointment for sure. Uh, you know, it's not not what I was expecting. Um, yeah, Rosarena, I'm, I'm hoping he keeps, you know, he's not striking out as much. The decay rate's going down. It's a game of adjustments. Um, last year, he made a lot of big adjustments. And, uh, you know, I think people didn't realize, like, in the playoffs, he was smoking off-speed pitches because he couldn't hit them at first in the regular season. And then, uh, you know, I, I everything seems sustainable to me. So uh, I'm hoping he continues doing that. He's at least running. So, you're, you're, you know, I love having the multiple paths of value. You know, you got the homers and the steals. So if one's not there right away, you're still getting some value out of it. So hopefully he keeps uh, going here. I expect him to go on a tear at some point. So uh, it looks like it'll it'll happen at some point. Yeah, and I'm I'm wrong about a lot of things too. So people don't let me, they let me they don't let me forget that there too. Uh, <laughs> but Dave, we are really pumped to have you on tonight because it is the quarter season review. I think we're like 28 percent into the season or something weird like that. Um, so it's definitely been an interesting season so far to say the least. We've seen a lot of struggling big name pitchers and hitters. Uh, we've seen some that have come out of the woodwork to be very fantasy relevant that I don't think we thought they were going to be. And don't even get me started on these closing situations. But again, we, we brought the big brains here with Dave and then Doc and Elsa, you guys can just blend in the background here. Uh, and we're going to hopefully help steer you guys in the right direction as whether you should uh, believe in some of these guys, A, or B, if you should expect similar production down the stretch. So the first category I want to start with is the struggling starters. And there's been a lot of them. Zach Plesek was originally on this list, but with him being an idiot, taking his shirt off, uh, probably was like an Under Armour shirt or something like that was probably stuck. <laughs> uh, let's move past Zach Plesek. And there's a whole list of guys. Dave, I want you to start off this list. Who's somebody that you want to talk about that's been a struggling starter and what we can expect from them going forward? Um. You know, I, the list that you gave me, there's there's some guys who I'm worried about and there's other guys who I'm less worried about. Um, I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, 
you know, Kenta Maeda is a guy I'm a little bit more worried about. Now, granted, he's also on the IL right now. Um, I was high on him too. And uh, I'm not seeing the same guy that I saw last year. And I, I'm curious if it has to do with, with the new ball because we didn't know, given this new ball, like how guys would do. Um, there's no way to know, you know, how guys would react to it, who would do what. Um, but his he's leaving a lot of sliders over the heart of the plate. And his command is just not there. Um, and it's it's affecting all of his whole game. Like, uh, he's walking more guys. He's striking out less guys. And uh, I don't know. He just doesn't look like Kenta Maeda. I, I know I wasn't expecting what happened last year for him to repeat that. But, you know, you, you can't expect this either. So I do think that there's better days to come. But uh, there's definitely still some concern there. Well, how do you feel about the strikeout stuff? Because I, I was looking into his his numbers a little bit, and his strikeout percentage is twenty and a half percent, which is down from thirty two point three percent last yeah. year. Um, yeah, exactly. are, are you worried that the strikeouts are going to stay low, or do you think they're going to bounce back? I think they'll bounce back to some degree, but I mean, if he doesn't he he doesn't have his pitches working for him right now. I mean, there it doesn't. If you watched him last year and you watch him this year, it's it's a totally different. It, he looks totally different. Um, you know, it's, it's the same pitches, but he's not commanding them. He's not putting them where he needs to put them and, uh, the ball's not really moving as much. So, um, yeah, I I can't expect him to, to get back to that K rate, but, you know, somewhere towards the 25 to 28% range, I would assume he could get back to. Yeah. So I'm interested, uh, I'll acknowledge this, uh, Ty, I think I lost that bet. So I'll just let me know what Jersey you want. Um, I'm curious, would you trade him right now if you're in a league that does trades? Would you trade him for Aaron Savali? You're a Cleveland guy. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, number one, Maeda's already on the IL, but even healthy, I, I, I would hope that he would just be doing pretty much what Savali's already doing. Um, obviously, you're, you're hoping for better before the season started, but kind of got to look at reality now. Um, I, would, I would absolutely do that because who even knows where you're going to get back from him when he comes back? Right. I think people, he's one of the highest or the person talked about the most that people are like, oh, he's going to regress. Look at his FIP. Like he's outperforming yeah. his peripheral. So I was curious what your thoughts were on that. So I can't believe you're disrespecting friend of the pod, Aaron Savali, like that. <laughs> uh, no, but we love Aaron Savali here, but he's, oh, yeah. he's doing real well this year. Happy to see that. Doc, let's go to you next. Who's somebody on this list and how do you feel about him? So I'm going to talk about Luis Castillo, and I talked about him a couple of weeks when we had uh, Mr. Bloomboards on. With him, you were really banking on a high K rate. He had 30.5% in 2019. Let's drop down to 199 in 2021. And I think everybody was in love with his changeup, but he threw it 39.5% as of two weeks ago. Now it's dropped to about 34% now, but that's much higher than he's thrown it. So the variance of, hey, he's throwing this more. His fastballs has lost a few ticks and his starts to begin the year. I mean, his ERA is 7.61. Now, his expected ERA is 4.37, but he has a 1.8 whip. And that's because he's leaving a lot of balls in the zone. And I just don't feel confident the rest of the season. I think he is going to get better. I don't think he'll pitch to a 7.61 ERA the rest of the year. But even with his good outings he's had on paper, he hasn't dominated. And if if you can't take advantage of the easy matchups, to me, that's where I get concerned. Yeah, I heard, you know, Sarah's talk about that the inches, the vertical uh, 
the vertical movement on the changeup is actually changed a little bit and that he thinks that that could be some part of it. And also the fact that the, the changeup speed is down a little bit as well. He referenced that he thinks that that is probably what some of the problems with the changeup because the fastball velocity is actually similar to what it was last year. Remember, it was actually peaked in 2020, but it was a shortened season. If you look before that, it's closer to what it's been. Um, so I'm wondering if the changeup uh, and that vertical movement could be an issue. Uh, Dave, is, do you think that could be uh, any relation to that, or is, is there other concerns, you think? I'll be honest with you. I don't own any Luis Castillo. I, I honestly have not looked into him very much. Um, I just know from watching him, it, it's – like the eye test, he doesn't look right. Like he just doesn't look comfortable. Um, but I, I've never been a big Castillo guy simply because he's never been a great whip guy. And people drafting him as their ace, like I want my ace to be very good in ERA whip Ks. Uh, you know, wins are random, but I don't care about that. But I need them to be good in all of those three categories if they're going to be my ace. And I, I just didn't trust him. Um, he's never really commanded his fastball really well. I, I don't know. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm not really like, I, I listen to people who know more about pitching than I do when it comes down to like mm-hmm. the mechanics of the game, like how much, you know, pitches are dropping and everything. That's not really, I've played fancy baseball for so long. I've never used that stuff. Like if you can show me how I can use that to translate into like how I can use it from a fancy perspective, I will. But Honestly, I just I read Nick Pollock's breakdowns. I, I you know read when Eno Saris writes. You know these guys uh, know more about you know the craft than I ever will. So I just trust what other people tell me, and then uh, I kind of watch guys pitch and and just kind of evaluate that way. And it's a good point in this fancy baseball space. It's very friendly, very open. Use the resources that you have. Especially there's always going to be people that are better at certain things than you are, and using those to your advantage to make you a better fantasy player. Um, cheesecake, I want to go to you next. Is there somebody on this list that you feel strongly you want to talk about, or even somebody off this list that comes to your brain? Oh, well, Tristan McKenzie is someone I want to talk about. He got sent down again today to AAA, uh, after being recalled because of the Indians recent injury spe- uh, spurt, uh, and pitching very well against Detroit yesterday. But, uh, this season so far, Tristan McKenzie has not looked good. Now there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So I'm going to start off by saying, one, he's throwing his four-seamer a lot more, but it's not going. He's lost about a tick and a half on that four-seamer. It's down about one and a half miles per hour. He's also he's also walking the yard. He is at a 20% walk rate on the season, up from 7% last year. Uh, his hard hit rate against him is up 16% from 36 to 52%. The launch angle is up on him. Uh, and his fly ball percentage is up, ground ball percentage is down. Uh, I mean, last season he was starting off, starting to lose some velo on on that fastball as the season wore on. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this is some some sort of a lingering thing from last season or what, but he's that that loss in fastball velocity is really concerning to me. Hopefully he goes down to AAA and gets right, but so far he has not looked good. 20% walk rate is really atrocious. He's had at least three walks in every start except one. He's only given up 24 hits this season in, um, I think, like 40-some 40, 40 innings, 45, uh, 36 or 37 innings, sorry. But 24 earned runs because he has 33 walks. He's really having a rough time out there. So, um, so you know, hopefully going down to AAA gets him right. But if I have Tristan McKenzie, I feel just fine dropping him right now. 
Yeah, I, I feel I like think. he's hiding an injury too. I feel like he's always injured. He's a very skinny man, so he's there's not a lot. Of I mean, his nickname here is Sticks. So yeah, I mean, like he he is like soaking wet. He's like 110 pounds or something. Like it's ridiculous. Do you um, guys think he can bench the bar? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't be shocked if he couldn't. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't either. One of the guys in the comments said that uh, he threw a no hitter against his high school team with 11 Ks, and we lost 1-0. Bases loaded two guys, walk three straight. So there you go. The walks stemmed in high school. <laughs> he's, uh, he's never had good command. Um, he was a guy I was out on coming into the year. I, having watched him in Cleveland uh, more than other pitchers, I just I haven't really seen what I need to see out of him. Like he 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 didn't, you know, Bieber, Savali, and Plesek were very different um, than than uh, Tristan. Uh, he just he never. He, I think he can be good, but he definitely needs more seasoning, and I, I hope they give it to him. Unfortunately, I don't know if the Indians can afford that because they kind of need guys now, unfortunately. Dave, I want to stay with you. Let's let's talk about one more struggling starter, and then we'll move to ones that have been kind of catching our eye here. Who's another struggling starter and what your hopes are for the rest of the year for them? Um, You know, Bundy is interesting um, because, you know, he, his velo – is actually up from last year overall, although last outing it, it dipped. Um, he's throwing his fastball more and his slider less, which is not what we want to see from him. You know, we everybody knows with Dylan Bundy, like he's a guy who's really, really good when he throws his fastball less. Um, his off-speed pitches, he's got several good off-speed pitches, and he's he's just, I don't know, it, if you look at the metrics behind the, the actual stats, like, you know, Sierra and everything, it's it's basically uh, a repeat of last year. Like, he looks good. He's got a, you know, 3.85 Sierra. Last year is 3.8. But his, you know, ERA is 6.5 because he's, you know, he's giving up uh, a lot of homers. But he just, somehow he's just getting hit a lot. Um, but I feel like it's going to regress. And I think I think he's someone that I might want to take a shot on. Uh, like, in, in a second chance league or something, you could probably draft him for pretty cheap. And, uh probably even trade for him for, for pretty cheap. And he's got some good matchups coming up. And uh, if he looks decent in his next one, I think uh, I think he could be a guy that could be useful for the rest of the season. Yeah, the velo is up actually a little bit too. It's up to almost 92 yeah. from 90 last year. So you would think that with the fastball velo being up, with him still going uh, with the heavy with the slider approach, um, that he would be doing better. But you said he's a, a buy low for you right now, and I'm sure he probably won't cost you a lot because he's been dropped in a lot of leagues. Right, right. Yeah, I actually picked him up for free in uh, in a, in a Fantrax 12 team league. Just uh, you know, we'll see how he looks and. You know, I, I think he can be that three seven kind of ERA guy that um, you know not 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 an ace by any means, but a solid starter with a good K rate. So perfect. Well, then let's Dave. I want to stay with you again because we're going to go into the next category. There are a couple questions people asked for you that we'll get to in a little bit, but I want to stay with pitchers for a second. These ones have been kind of intriguing. There's the the Tariq Skubal's Casey Mize is the young studs with the Tigers. Kyle Gibson's looked completely different this year. Robbie Ray. John Means, Rich Hill, Garrett Richards, Adbert Alzale, my my heartthrob Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon. There's the list just goes on and on from all these guys that have been. You been really Dylan good. Dylan Cease is not in the mix with the others. You just want to make yourself feel better. No, Dylan <laughs> Dylan Cease has a sub three ERA, or he did at least until the the Yankees start. I mean, yeah, yeah, he's doing well. Yeah. He's doing well as we speak right now. At least last time I checked, he was. Uh, he's doing well, but David uh, just wants to make feel himself good. feel better. You know, that's why <laughs> us Dave stick together. Um, so <laughs> that's right. So Dave, 
pick somebody on I can, anybody on this list or anybody that's not on this list that you feel really strongly to talk about and, and how you feel about them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I have both guys on this list and off the list, so we can just get started with Tarek Skubal. Um, he was a guy who I was on early in the draft season, and then like as we approached drafts, I kind of was off him, so I have him in some early leagues, and then I backed off later. Uh, you know, anytime you pitch for a team like the Tigers or the Pirates, it's really it's really hard to get value because how many wins can you really get on a team with that bad of an offense? Um, the thing with with both of them though is they pitch in divisions that are much weaker offensively, so it kind of keeps me into them a bit. And Skubal in the minors, he showed really good strikeout rates. And um, since leaving the rotation and coming back in, in as of the start of May, uh, as you were talking about him before, uh, my buddy Ryan Bloomfield, who you guys had on recently, uh, he uh, put out a tweet saying, you know, he's he's been um, his. His swing strike rate is up to 14%. His velo is up to 94.7 miles per hour. And most importantly, he ditched his splitter for his old changeup, which has really helped him. Um, slider's getting a lot of whiffs as well. He's not very efficient, so he won't go deep into games, but I think the strikeout upside there is legit. And, uh, you know, he's he's striking out more guys and he's walking fewer, and, and that's what you want to see. Uh, I actually just picked him up for cheap in, in one of my NPC leagues. Because, um, I, I mean, I think he's a... Probably still a streamer, but a guy you uh, you can count on to put in now. Been that, if I'm not mistaken, it has been that changeup, right? The the slower changeup that he's been mixing more into his arsenal recently. That's kind of been helping uh, increase the effectiveness of the rest of his stuff that he's been. It using. looks like it, yeah. Um, and that that coupled with the velo of his fastball being up now to almost 95, I think is mm-hmm. something too. So yeah, it all plays up when you have a good changeup, and uh, he doesn't throw the change a lot. But he didn't throw it at all last year, and he brought it back this year, and he finally ditched the splitter, which was not working for him. Yeah, it's interesting. And both him and Casey Mize have kind of shown the Tigers a glimpse of what they can hopefully expect for the future uh, with all the young studs they have. Elsie, I want to go to you next. Who's somebody that you want to talk about that's kind of been lighting the world on fire at the start of the year? I want to talk about a guy who just had a groin injury in Kyle Gibson, and it's a real shame because I look at what Kyle Gibson has done and I'm starting to become a believer because he has changed some things. He changed his pick, pitch mix. <clears throat> uh, he for, for one, he's going deep into games. He's faced at least 23 batters every game since his first one. But what is he doing that's helping him go deep in games? One, he's throwing the cutter a lot more. Cutter who that he almost did not throw at all last season. He's throwing nearly 14% this year. Um, and that is actually his worst performing pitch so far. But the fact that he's throwing this cutter, all of his other pitches are performing better because he's able to drop down use on his four seam, drop down use on his slider, drop down use on his change, drop down use on his curve. Now, the cutter was a new pitch in 2020. And so he's using it now uh, uh, a lot more. And it seems like that is helping his other stuff play up a little bit. So, uh the change has earned him some results, and he, uh, and so that as as you talk to smarter people like Nick Pollock, you want to look for a change when you see results, and I see a change here with that pitch mix. Um, now, the the injury is a soft tissue injury. These types of things tend to linger. Uh, groins especially tough because, as Doc pointed out on the intro, uh, these types of injuries affect every single athletic movement you do. So hopefully, um, hopefully he can he can rest up get back out there and be ready to pitch again soon. Yeah, it's definitely for as a Twins fan, it's kind of shocking because he's been such a mediocre pitcher for so long and you're very skeptical 
of he's had stretches before where he's looked decent, but this actually seems like it's for real. And I totally agree. Uh, if he's anything back to like what he was before he got hurt, uh, that's definitely an incredible value for anybody that has him. Doc, let's go to you next. Who on this list do you want to talk about? I'm going to talk about your drug, David, and that's Robbie Ray. Now, <laughs> I didn't realize until a couple of days ago that he's only 29 years old. That's younger than I thought. He seems like a pitcher that's like 32, 33. Feels like he's been around for a while, yeah. yeah. But what we're seeing from him, his fastball velocity has increased. The past couple of years, it's been sitting around 92, 93, and this year he's topping out at 95.2, and that means he's been throwing it more. Typically, he throws it around 47.3% of the time. Now it's about 57.8% this year. And I really think that's helped him have a little bit more confidence uh, attacking the zone because the last three years, his walks per nine have been five, four and a half. And last year was 7.8 walks per nine. This year, it's two walks per nine. He's always had a good K rate. So he's been able to get people to chase and miss things with his secondary pitches. But I also think a new change of scenery. Sometimes we see, such as with Sonny Gray, he looks like a completely different pitcher with the Reds than he did with the Yankees. Some people just kind of need that mental refresher. Now, his expected ERA is almost a full tick higher than it actually is. His expected ERA is 4.23, and his actual ERA is 3.42. So maybe he's a sell-high candidate in leagues where you can do trades, but compared to where he was getting drafted, he's definitely been a steal. Yeah, I will point out Robbie Ray is in the bottom 5% of the league in exit velocity and in hard hit percentage. He's bottom 7% of the league. And I heard Nick Pollock talk about that one of the reasons he's walking guys less with the fastball increase is he's pretty much throwing it with the increased velocity a lot more just down the middle in the zone, basically saying, here, hit this. And he's trusting the stuff from his fastball to pretty much limit the walks. And again, that's why the homers have also been up as well. Um, so I think it's, it's a very tricky thing right now with Robbie Ray. The strikeouts are definitely down. The walks are down. Um, is it a ticking time bomb? Is this, this new formula? I guess time will tell, but I probably, you know even- what we talked about this literally a month ago with Steven Matz and the first start after we called him a ticking time bomb, he gave up eight earned, but then he goes against the Yankees and gets like 10 K's and seven innings. He's a very interesting pitcher. So Robbie Ray is going to have a bad start. His next outing after this show comes out. Probably. Well, I, I was going to say, just he just pitched today, and I think you have five earned in like four and two thirds. There you go. There you go. <laughs> it's clockwork. It's clockwork. Uh, Dave, give us one more guy on in this list before we move on to the next category here in our quarter season review. Actually, if you don't mind, uh, I was I was actually thinking of a different guy who wasn't on the list. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Trevor Rogers is a guy who I've I've just been in love with this year. I, I drafted him in my main event. Uh, really high on him coming in and watching him pitch, man, he is uh, he is a legit ace in my opinion. I mean, he's got a fastball that is just it's an elite fastball. It's like he throws it about 95. Um, it's got a little tail movement to it. Uh, it's just so crisp. And then he's got he plays off of it with uh, such a good change up. Um, I, I mean, he's got, you know. He's got a, a slider as well, but uh, that change is just devastating. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to have some regression. He's not going to have a 175 ERA the rest of the year. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, he's, he's going to be a high strikeout guy. He's, he's got his control has been better. Um, you know, he had a rough first start. Uh, and then ever since then, he's been like a legit ace. If they ever let him start going like 100 plus pitches consistently, you're going to see him, I mean, be up there in like the second round next year. 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, this has been an otherworldly season from him. I also want to credit uh, Rob DiPietro, I know, also was really high on him, too. I remember seeing him talk about him a lot. Um, he's been changing people's teams. Just uh, uh, that type of pitcher, as late as he was going, obviously he's helping you a lot as well. Uh, and and uh, our buddy Carlos is changing his... <laughs> that's bold, Carlos. That's bold. <laughs> Uh, let's move to our next category here. And these are hitters that have just been absolutely awful or for the most part, uh, just borderline unplayable. And that's Kevin Biggio, Keston Heroes, Andrew Vaughn's, Dom Smith's, Eugenio Suarez. There's even more. Um, that's just some of the guys right there. Dave, whether it's one of these guys or another one, um, do you have any hope for any of these guys? Do you see stuff in their profile where you can maybe try to, uh, ride it out or are they lost causes? Yeah, actually, there's one guy on this list I really like, uh, and it's Andrew Vaughn. Um, he definitely intrigues me. He's hitting the ball hard. He's making enough contact. Like he, he strikes out some like 26, 27 percent, something like that. Um, you know, for but but for a guy of his profile with you know the high max exit velo and good barrel rate, um, playing every day, you know, it doesn't bother me. And I, I was looking at his rolling. Uh, like I was looking at a 30 rolling, 30 game rolling average and like his zone contact rate is up. His contact rate is up. Uh, his hard hit rate is up and his swinging strike rate is down. And those are exactly what you want to see from a guy who you're looking for to break out. I think, honestly, I think it could happen anytime now. And he's playing every day. He's got outfield eligibility. You know, rookies come up, they struggle at first. Uh, and he, he wasn't getting consistent playing time. And now that I think he is, I think, um, I think he's a guy. You'll want to pick up before the barrage starts coming, I think. And when you say barrage, you feel like a lot of power is coming because he was really struggling to get that going uh, for most of the season until recently. You, you believe that there's still maybe 30 home runs in that bat or, or 25 to 30? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Um, are we talking about like assuming he would have started the season like he is now? Is that what yes. we're saying? Because yeah. I don't think he's going to hit that the rest of the way by any yeah. means. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he's a legit power hitter. I mean, his... Uh, Max exit velo is 114. His barrel rate is 12.5%. Hard hit rate, 48%. Um, all the things are there. And like I said, he's you know he's got a 25% K rate, 12.2% swing strike rate. Those aren't outlandish for a power hitter. So I think he can, he can definitely uh, be like a 250 average 25 homer, 30 homer guy uh, at some point. So um, I, I, I like what I'm seeing. I think you can probably get him for real cheap and uh, – I think you could pay off. I like it. Doc, who on this list comes to mind for you? So I'm going to talk about Eugenio Suarez. And this is a guy a couple of years ago that actually led the majors in home runs in 2019 with 49. And I think what we saw at the beginning of the season, maybe was a little bit of some mental hiccups. I don't understand. Did David Bell ever say why he put him at shortstop? <laughs> he wanted to get, I mean, Jonathan India in the lineup. and. That was pretty much the only place that the only way it could happen. Oh, I, I, I thought he. I, I was going to say, did he give a real reason? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think that sometimes plays a little, a little bit of mental gymnastics. But there's hope for me. You know, he's homered two out of the last three days. David Bell put him off, put him leading off and hitting third base. I mean, this year he's hitting 149. He's a career 255 hitter. His walk percentage is down at 7.7 this year. It's a career about 11%. So I think moving him around in the lineup, maybe when it's he's, you know, can have a little bit more patience, see a little bit more at bats. I mean, right now, they also don't have three of their best players, Joey Votto 
Nick Senzel and Mike Moustakis. So I think, look, the average is never going to be there for him, but the power is real. He's 29 years old. I think he just needs to get a little bit more patient at the plate. Hopefully playing his natural position at third base more frequently will help him, fo- will help him focus on batting. So if he's available in your league, I'd scoop him or see if you can make a good offer for him. My, con- yeah. my concern with Suarez, though, is that it, he looks exactly like the guy from last year instead of the Suarez from 2019. His contact rate is down for a third straight season. K, K rate is up. The Babbitt will improve, certainly, because he's at like a 150 Babbitt or something. But uh, he's just not looking like the the stud from 2019. He, he looks a lot like 2020, and a lot of people thought that that was just because of an injury. And now, I don't know, maybe there is something else there. Maybe uh, playing shortstop was messing with him, but... Uh, he hasn't been playing shortstop. I think he's been playing third base pretty regularly for a while now. And uh, I don't know. He did homer today for what it's worth. But uh, he'll still give you some power. But if it comes with like a 200 average, I don't know how useful that is. It might yeah, not be 200 at this I, point. I, I, I certainly think that there is – look, David said we're 28% in the season. I'm looking at a little bit more of the underlying metrics. His launch angle is very similar to what it was to 2019. His barrel percentage is actually higher. I really do think, I mean, he started out the year ice cold playing shortstop. Eric, let me me ask you this. Do you think there's anything to be there besides power? Like he'll probably hit 30 home runs, but is there anything else there? I think you can expect a slight uptick in average and on base percentage. I mean, look, he's never going to be a 300 hitter. I think if he can finish at the year. Give me a batting batting average. What? batting average dave said he thinks around like a 200 batting average what do you expect his batting average to be at the end of the year yeah 225 230 that'd be a big increase because he's hitting 149 right now yeah well it's up to it's up to 161 now but it's still pretty (laughs) excuse me (laughs) it's still under the mendoza line but yeah once once again there's a little bit more optimism for me that he'll turn it around because i think that reds lineup when healthy is actually pretty good We'll see how that plays out. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Let's go to you, Cheesecake. Who do you I want to talk, talk about? I want to talk about Kevin Biggio, someone who I I uh, I was off to start the season. He's now on the IL, I think. Uh, I think we talked about that in the intro. But uh, but he wasn't hitting well. He's he's part of like this new vanguard of of, of style of hitter. Guys who really uh, really wait on their pitches. They wait keyhole on pitches that are. Produce really high, high batting average, pretty really high woba. Uh, Max Muncy's an example. Kevin Biggio is an example. Christian Yelich went more in that direction. It seems like the, the the weird part is that these guys swing like thirty five percent of the time. So um, so they really have to make the most out of their swings. Uh, but a guy like Biggio, I don't think he does enough. He doesn't have enough natural talent in uh, in the bat actually to 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 play that way. I don't think, or maybe he. But because he's hitting two oh five right now, his strikeouts are up, his yeah, walks are down. Yeah. yeah, and I'm hearing an echo. I thought someone was ec- saying that how smart I am by saying the exact <laughs> same thing I did. That's my bad. Um, um, 
And, you know, his power's down. He's always a guy who has had low uh, max exit velocity. So it was a guy who wasn't, who shouldn't have like 20, 30 home run power. His power's down. Like I said, his walks are down. Uh, to me, you know, BGO's just kind of showing us who he really is. You know, a guy who, who pitchers are starting to figure out how to pitch to him. And he can't just wait on mistakes like he has been the last few years. Um, maybe, maybe the injury affected him a little bit. But uh, I'm not I, I'm not very high on him when he comes back from this injury, and uh, you know if, if someone if someone wants to take him off your hands, I, I would be glad to get rid of him. He really yeah. reminds me of Victor Robles too. If you look at like their stat cast, Ooh, that's a good comparison. And like the they're both uh, they they were kind of they had that prospect pedigree, and you know Biggio with his uh, is his father right, Craig Biggio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean they've kind of got that 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 uh, high pedigree, but. Um, you know the stack test metrics are. It's it's not the stack test is everything, but it's they're so bad. I mean, in in barrels and hard hit rate, um, but they're both like they're both intriguing enough because they give you homers and steals. Uh, but it, you know, if you're going to get that with a low batting average and hitting ninth or something, it's not worth it. And they they they're very similar players. It just seems like to me. Yeah, I think the fantasy community pretty much just let out a collective whenever talking about. <laughs> and Kevin Vigio I mean it's pretty bad between the two three homers and 151 plate appearances hitting 205 yeah much worse than that um Dave give us one more guy on this list and then we'll move to our next category here oh um I mean Kestahira who just got uh called back up um you know, I get why people will want to add him again, but his his issue is and has been strikeout rate. And he went down to the minors and didn't improve in strikeout rate. Like he he hit home runs, but what do you expect? Like, yeah, he's going to homer off Triple A pitchers. Uh, I don't think he's going to do the same to major league pitching. So i i would I would if someone is like excited that he got called back up, I'd I'd be looking to sell again. I I just until he proves that he can get that. Strikeout right under control. Um, I'm not interested. I, I think long term, I think he can. I just, it's hard to see it for this year. Yeah, I think they said his. Uh, someone said his uh, Z contact was like one of the worst they've ever seen. I, I can't remember where I heard it, but um, yeah. it, it's it's been dreadful. Uh, and if you're not hitting the ball in the zone when it's in the zone, you're not going to last very long, at least at the big league level. Uh, you have to, yeah. Let's let's be positive here. Let's talk about some positivity. These hitters have just been absolute studs, and I think a lot more so than even people that thought they were going to break out or even thought they were going to be good again were. I mean, we're the list is too big to even go over. Dave, I do want to start this off. Yancey, our good friend Yancey Eden wrote in, is Dave doing any second chance leagues, and are there players he's hypothetically targeting much earlier than they were being taken before the season, a la Adolis Garcia. Is there anybody maybe above him you would do? Because I feel like he's got to be the number one guy. I mean, in terms of like who's moved up the most? Yeah, I think that's what he meant. Uh, I mean, because obviously Adolis Garcia wasn't even drafted in drafts. Because I mean, maybe he was like real late. But um, I mean, he he's just kind of come out of nowhere. And granted, he's been really good. No doubt about it. He's probably, if you own him, uh, you're probably doing very well in your league. Um, I do think that with his 17% swing strike rate, I, his, his K rate's 29%. I think that's going to go way up if his swing strike rate stays that high. Uh, and he won't keep barreling the ball at 20% clip. So he will have a cold streak. So I, I don't think I'll, I would be the guy to get him in the second half league because I, I, 
think that we're seeing his like peak production and then it's going to fall off. Uh, he's still going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's going to be anywhere close to where he is now. Um, one thing with these second half leagues you have to realize is you don't want to be taking the guys who are doing all the production, but it's coming with like a high Babbitt or, uh, you know, like, you know, the regression is going to come. You want to get the guys who positive regression is coming for them. Like they're, they're underperforming, but their metrics look good and everything. Those are the guys you want to be targeting more in these kinds of leagues. Um, I'm trying to think of who comes to mind, but like, uh, McClanahan, I think if he starts going deeper into games, I think he's got the stuff to be, uh, an ace. I don't think he will be this year, but I, I think that he's going to be, uh, kind of like Trevor Rogers light. And, uh, if you can get him relatively, like, you know, you probably don't have to spend a top 10 round pick on him. Um, I, I would be taking a shot on him. It's interesting. Yeah, I think everybody's been talking about Shane McClanahan as, and he hasn't had a bad start yet. But like, I think his biggest problem has been, yeah, obviously going oh, deep in the game. Yeah, yeah. So that's a great call there, Cheesecake. I want to go to you next. There's a number of guys you could go to on this list. Uh, I think Vlad Guerrero does need to be mentioned. I, I don't know if any of you are going to bring him up, uh, but he is. He looks like him and Shohei Otani are the front runners for AL MVP. Uh, but Vlad Guerrero, I was a, a big Vlad Guerrero this is the year guy and I don't I didn't even see a season like this coming from him is right now would you guys take him as a back-end first round pick if this was 2022 yeah yeah he's the top player in all of fantasy baseball it's top ranked player so uh, he just passed Shohei Otani as a top ranked player Uh, like like a week ago it was Otani so um Vlad, yeah, he's he's a first round guy right now. In 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 sort of the uh, the old um, the old uh, you know Bregman mold without the speed, but you know obviously everything else he's given you four categories, he's great. I'd take him. Um, a guy I I like as far as the second chance league. Uh, Chris Bryant's also done really well this year, and he's you know he was going around one ten, one twenty. I think he probably bumped back up to the third or fourth round. Uh, if you were doing a second chance league right now, said like a 990 OP, uh, no, not 990. What am I saying? Yeah, no, it's like 990 OPS right now, uh, which is incredible. I, you know, this is obviously the talent's always been in there. Uh, he just hasn't been healthy. Now he's healthy and he's raking again. So Chris Bryant's a guy who I'm looking at who has really, really started to, you know, rebuild his, his value after, after a big drop off. A lot of people got good value on Chris Bryant this season. Whoa, I'm advising you guys, if you look at Vlad's StatCast profile, wear your sunglasses. There is a lot of red in here. It is like blinding. It's going to make a bull angry. Yeah, don't don't show a bull his StatCast profile because it's <laughs> it's scary, man. I mean, across the board. The one thing I do kind of see is kind of interesting is his launch angle, which, uh, you know, everybody I think expected it was going to go up this year. I definitely thought it was going to go up too, but it was a lot higher earlier in the season it was in the the i think it got up to like 16 uh degrees at one point uh and now it's down to eight and so it's kind of interesting that that launch angle has gone down as much as it has so i'm interested to see if that continues to go down a little bit but i mean yeah he's still crushing the ball so uh vlad jr has been an outworldly player this year otherworldly player this year he's been, he's been a really interesting uh study because I was, I, I admittedly, like my high stakes cohort, Toby, um, we were both uh, bad flip crazy. We were both mm-hmm. 
kind of out on him at his price. Now, I think we all expected him to do this at some point, but it felt like the price to, to get him this year was exorbitant to the point where it's like you you already knew it was going to happen. I mean, and granted, guys like you, Dave, you know, being on him, kudos. Um, I just, I need to see it first. And he didn't provide any value on the steel side. And, you know, I, I knew about the weight loss. I knew about the launch angle, but I've also seen that revert like in season. And you're talking about his launch angle already going down to eight. We saw it with Yandy Diaz a couple of years ago. He broke out. And then the launch angle went right back down. Mm-hmm. So, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a home run this season. Exactly. And so I don't know what the stickiness of that is. Like we know that Vlad Vladito is 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 has that superstar potential in him, but you know, seeing him put it all together, and I don't know if it's gonna stick or if he's like I, I would bet he regresses a bit, but I mean he's obviously a stud. He's basically what we thought Juan Soto would be this year. So mm-hmm. um I don't know what's going on with him, man. But uh yeah, like this is I was expecting from Soto like a 340 average. I mean, not expecting, but I, I knew he could do like a 340 average with 40 homers. We're basically seeing that from Vlad. Um, but yeah, and it's the same thing with the weight loss. Like I've seen guys talk about losing weight and uh, they do, but it doesn't necessarily help them. So I didn't know what to expect from him. And, uh, you know, like Toby said, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad process that I wasn't on him. But, you know, it does feel like there's some FOMO there because obviously he's, he's having a ridiculous season so far. Right. And again, it's another example that I was right about Vlad, but I've been wrong about a lot of other guys. And it's just that's how it just goes in this game sometimes. And eventually the process could play out to where Vlad regresses some to the point where he's definitely a very good player, but he's not this. Yeah. Yeah. And so we'll have to see how that plays out. Doc, go ahead and give us somebody that you want to talk about. So I'm going to give I'm going to give a guy that tortured me in our home league last week. And I so came out with the W. That's Jesse Winker. I mean, since the start of last season, there are three players with a batting average of 300 and an OPS of 1,000 or better. And that's Juan Soto, Mike Trout, and Jesse Winker. Over the last 162 games, he has a 304, 401, 552 triple slash. I think it got lost a little bit because the DH and the NL was gone and Cincinnati's outfield is crowded with him, Senzel, Castellanos. We thought maybe Akiyama got a little bit more time, but... He has 12 homers in 54 games last year. That would have put him on pace for 36, playing in Great American Small Park. He cut down his K percentage, and he's shown that he can get hot in these stretches. There was a stretch last year where he had six home runs in a seven-game stretch. So you know that he has this upside. Maybe he can't do it consistently, but he has this power. So we're seeing it this year, and let me just say thankful that I got a W. Yeah, I mean, Jesse Winker... I think the biggest thing's injuries with him because I think he's shown that he can do this, but he just can't stay healthy. And Jesse Winker staying healthy, producing, if you have Jesse Winker, especially what he costs you, uh, he's definitely elevating your fantasy team right now. I, I don't know if he's going to be to the point where he is right now, but if he stays healthy, he'll definitely be. He has a, a beautiful swing, by the way. Oh, yeah. I love his swing. Uh, let's move to the last category here, and that's going to be the closers. Uh, through the first quarter of the season here. You have Ian Kennedy uh, up there with the top two or three guys in the league and save. You have Kendall Graveman, who hasn't given up a run in 16 innings before he got hurt. Twins bullpen, God knows who's getting saves in that bullpen. Uh, the, the Cleveland bullpen has rotated through three different guys already. Alex Reyes is a freaking stud in the closers role. Uh, there's so much we could go to. Uh, Dave, I want you to start it off. Is there a bullpen situation you want to talk about if people don't know who the closer is 
or somebody that you're like, hey, maybe there's a closer in waiting that you want to talk about or, or anything like that? Yeah, uh, there's a couple. The, I'll start off with uh, with my own because, uh, you know, in Cleveland, <laughs> I, I really didn't know what they were doing this year because uh, by spring usage, it very much looked like they were going to go with Wicker to start. And I didn't think he was going to hold the job. But Tito's a weird guy. Like, Tito is usually very loyal. He sticks by his guys, you know, even when they're struggling, like he leaves them in there. But we haven't seen that this year. And granted, maybe it's because we don't have, we didn't come in with an established closer. Um, but, you know, Class A was their guy from the beginning. Uh, I know it wasn't apparent, because, but if you looked at the usage, it's clear that his initial thought was to start with Class A. You want to see Karen Shack be more, um, he, his command was so off last year, he needed him to be more consistent. And now Karen Shack, uh, I mean, the walk rate's down a bit. And he's striking out the world. And I mean, I mean, his strikeout rate is like double class A's. And class A is just, he's putting too many guys on base. He's walking guys. Um, he, he's, he's not, he's never been a high strikeout guy. And, and I think that that's holding him back a bit. And uh, it very much looks like it's, it's not a shared role. Like I know the class A got a save a couple days ago, but I think it was because Karen Shack wasn't available. I think Karen Shack has usurped the role despite, uh, Tito's words kind of to the contrary because he's kind of been dancing around saying things like, oh, well, we were playing the matchups and stuff. And I remember one time he saying something about a lefty and there's only like one lefty that was up. So it didn't make, it didn't make any sense to me. So I, I think if you're moving forward here, um, I'm not saying necessarily to drop Class A yet, but I definitely think it's Karen Sheck's job. On a 1 to 10 scale, 10 being you think it's his job the rest of the year, 100%, 1, you're not confident. Where are you on that? With Karen Sheck, I would put it at probably seven okay so pretty pretty sure that it's going to be his uh, i mean i, I think unless he loses it you know because he, he he does have those times where he'll lose feel for his pitches if that happens then i can see them going back to class a at some point okay remember we were talking about nick whitgren <laughs> before the season started yeah those were those are long long ago those days yeah yeah he's not in the picture anymore uh let's go to you doc which closing situation would you like to address? So I'm going to take this time to admit that I was wrong about Alex Colome. And when we had Torres on, him and I both went mano a mano talking about how Colome and Anthony Bass are going to have good years. And we both have to take an L on this. Alex <laughs> Colome has 10 earned runs in 18 innings, but he has eight runs that aren't earned. So his expected ERA is 6.89. His actual ERA is five. Now, he has the highest K percentage of his career, or the second highest, but he is walking a lot of guys, and he's allowing a lot of hard contact. Two homers per nine innings. Um, his hard hit rate is 56.9%. He's allowing 15.7 barrel percentage. Now, he's never been a big strikeout guy. He's kind of been someone that has gotten by by inducing weak contact and a lot of ground balls. We're just not seeing it this year, and... You have to worry maybe that he lost a little bit of fastball velocity. He's 32 years old. But I just wanted to take this two minutes to admit that I was wrong on Alex Colome. Well, that wasn't two minutes, but you can yeah go ahead and apologize to everybody that listened to you and probably aren't going to listen to you ever again. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, these the, the fastball has definitely been a problem this year. Uh, it, it's it's dark. and I mean, especially again, as a Twins fan, you watch every time he comes in the game, he gives up a run. Uh, it's, it's ugly to the point where you 
even you're not putting him in high leverage situations and he's still giving up runs. Um, it, it's a weird bullpen going on with the twins right now. Uh, Dave, I, I'm going to say right now that it's obviously a two man bullpen between Hansel Robles and Taylor Rogers. Do you have a, a gut feeling between the two? If you think one's going to have it or the other, or do you think it's going to stay a committee? I think the twins are so frustrating for this reason. Like they, they, even when, you know, they went out and signed Colome and we, we kind of, I mean, they kind of said that they were going to share the role, but you know, we were kind of like, ah, you know, he'll probably get most of the saves. And I don't know, man, it's not, it's not a place that I would be looking to invest unless you're already invested or unless you can get a cheap share. I have a slight preference for, for Robles. Uh, I just don't think the Rogers is ever going to be that full-time closer, mm-hmm. um, especially as a lefty uh, out of that pen. Um, I know he was like a couple of years ago, but I just don't see them going back to that. Uh, so I guess Robles would be my, would be my, uh, the guy I'd want of, of them, but, um, there's, there's other places I'd prefer to invest. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's definitely a mess and, and Colome for what it's worth. Uh, definitely he's putting up a lot of fly balls, 30% almost fly ball rate. That's up from 9.4% last year. So it's a big yeah. difference in his profile. Cheesecake, where are you going for this crazy situation that is the bullpens in the the uh, big leagues. I, I just want to say that I got uh, I, I spent three bucks on column A this last this last weekend just in case because I'm so desperate <laughs> for saves. Uh, so so uh, you know just in case because I, I tried uh, Jorge Alcala on Minnesota a few weeks ago and he he hasn't looked good since since that first few weeks. Um, Cincinnati, uh, you know TJ Anton is. I Cincinnati is a weird one. Sims mm-hmm. got Lucas Sims got the save yesterday. Um, I've been waiting for him to have the job all season. Anton is a guy who I think that they envision a much, uh, you know, a multi-inning role out of, but he's been getting a lot more of the save chances lately. Uh, so I'm going to jump around because I, I got no insight on that. And I'm going to go to Seattle and say, if someone dropped Rafael Montero in your league, Maybe he's someone you want to spec on. He's still getting some high leverage. Rafael Montero? Ooh. Is it, isn't uh, Graveman coming right? Like, wasn't he just on the COVID IL? I think he's going to so. back in a couple was days. He? Right? Well, I think Montero, so. Montero's been getting saves um, when when he, he has – he's been getting about a save per week. Uh, if, if you look at him, uh, even though he doesn't have the full-time role – so he's someone, if, if you're desperate for saves, he might be able to, to help you – you know, get a few more saves. Uh, maybe my maybe my memory of, of of looking at his his statistics is wrong because I I've been noticing he's been getting some saves lately. Uh, maybe Graven will be back soon. I I did not know it was just a COVID IL uh, I stint. So. But uh, but uh, Montero is someone who I I'm thinking about uh, putting in a, a small bid on just to see because like I said he's he has gotten a few saves recently. I I might have to look that up to make sure. I'm right on that, but I think he's gotten some saves. Raphael, who? Montero, buddy. We gotta bleep that out. That's a bad word around here. <laughs> he's he's pretty he's pretty hard to watch. Yeah, uh, our buddy yeah. Brock is monster shot. Lots of situations where the secondary closer is uh, in deep leagues for sure. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely uh, it's a messy situation. Dave, can you give the listeners one more bullpen? To help yeah. make them feel better. 
Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a couple because art needs, uh, art needs some, some guys to pick up for potential saves. Uh, First of all, I think Joaquin Soria could be next in line in Arizona. Arizona's never really been committed to Crichton, and he's not very good. There's a reason why they're not very committed to him. Um, Soria is a guy who has closing experience in the past, and managers value that. Whether we do uh, as objective fantasy players or not, I, I don't care whether someone has experience or not, but I know that the managers care, and that's why I care. Um, we've seen it a lot. You know, like Melanson, he's, he, he's doing great this year, don't get me wrong. But when he went to San Diego, I saw people like Eno and stuff call, saying that Pomeranz is the closer. And I'm like, I don't think so, man. I think it's going to be Melanson because he's got that closing experience. And San Diego had chances to give it to Pomeranz and never did. Um, managers just tend to go back to those guys. Soria was a guy I drafted a lot in like draft champions because you could just hold him and at some point he could get saves. So I think if you're looking for a guy to pick up, he's nothing special. I mean, he's not like... Talent-wise, he's not great, but uh, I think he's just good enough that he could hold that job down for a while, and Arizona's actually winning some games. Um, another situation that makes me sad, because they didn't go to, uh, in Kansas City, another AL Central team here, they didn't go back to Stalmont for the save after he had a little blow-up and a non-save opportunity. I hate when when managers do this, man. They, they put a guy in a non-save op, and then, they, and then they blow up inevitably. And so you not only give no shot at the save, but then your ratios get tanked. And then he might have just lost his job because uh, Zimmer has been pitching pretty well lately. He doesn't really have closer stuff, but he seems to be the guy that they trust the most right now. And I'm a little afraid that he might be usurping that role now uh, from from Stalma. We're not at that point yet, but he's a guy, if you need to pick someone up, uh, hold him for a couple of days or a week and just see what happens. I, Zimmer's a guy I'd be looking at. It's an interesting call. Again, everybody was talking about Josh Stalma, but... Um, that Kansas City bullpen has definitely been really questionable at best, and uh, that's a, I'm sure he's available in a lot of leagues too. So that's going to yeah. help a lot of people out right there. Um, that was a great job of going over all these, not just the crazy bullpens, the hitters, the pitchers. It's been a lot in this quarter season. I feel like even more than normal. So we'll have to watch how these play out, and maybe at the midpoint we'll be able to revisit and see if some of these hot hitters regress. These struggling pitchers found their footing. I know I had Kyle Hendricks on this list for a struggling pitcher, but he's kind of looked like he's turned the corner. So, yeah, he was the guy I was least worried about on our list. Yeah, so we'll see how that stuff plays out. Without further ado, we're going to go to the fun part of the show, and that's going to start with the question of the week. All right, our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is now official affiliate to Monkey Knife Fight, the fastest-growing sports betting site in the United States. Use promo code TRIPLEPLAY and get up to $50 of your deposit match when you become a new user and use that code. And if you're looking to win some cash, make sure you follow the Triple Play Monkey Knife Fight shows coming soon. Actually, they've already been out. There was the one episode, but there'll be more soon <laughs> to give you a 10 to 15 minute look with our locks to help you win big. Don't uh, look at me, David. No, nah, I know. <laughs> you and Brad will get more out of them out there. Uh, sorry. Our question of the week is, which current MLB player would be the best actor? So, Dave, you're the guest. I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> what do you think it is? Okay, so I didn't know which way to take this, but uh, funny enough, before we even, on our pre-show, we talked about him, and then we talked about him again in the bullpen part, but uh, a guy who's very animated, uh, he's almost like the Rob Gronkowski of uh, MLB, James Karinchak. Um mm-hmm. I don't know if he'd be a good actor, but he would be very entertaining. Like I could see him uh, doing some comedy roles and stuff like that, uh, just... He's just so off the wall. And I was telling you the story earlier 
where I was watching a, an interview with uh, Zach Plesak, and he was talking about sharing an apartment with James Karinchek, and he said Karinchek hit his head on a chandelier in their apartment a couple times, and the second time he hit his head on it, he just ripped the chandelier out, off of this, out of the ceiling and chucked it into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> he is the wild thing for a reason. I can't. He types in all caps way. too. Oh, he is absolutely <laughs> like a type A, super high energy, like bouncing off the walls kind of guy. He's a fits his role very well as a as a closer that needs that high energy when he comes in. Oh uh, yeah, Doc. Who's your pick? So my retired guy would be Adam Dunn because he looks like Will Ferrell, and I don't think okay. enough people said that. Yeah, but that wasn't the question. My is is Ryan Braun still active or did did he retire? He's retired. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go Mookie Betts because he just seems to be good at everything. He bowls. <laughs> he's a five tool player. He has the smile. He has the swag. He could be a good actor. He could do anything he wants. Cheesecake. You look like you're in deep thought. Do you have someone in mind? <laughs> I was going to say Mookie Betts. For the same oh, wow. reason, oh, nice. For the same oh, reason, wow. Doxton. Uh, I'm gonna back. That was on I'm the gonna, fly. I'm gonna backtrack on that and uh, move back from Mookie, and we'll say uh, uh, Cody Bellinger because he's a good-looking guy. You know, he's tall and has that leading man sort of thing going on. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You said a good-looking guy, and you're going to Cody Bellinger. <laughs> yeah, he's a good-looking guy. I so I I feel like if you're gonna talk about a good-looking guy, it has to be Jack Flaherty. What? I, I, there are no Cardinals that look good. This show is getting <laughs> weird. This show is getting really weird. Let me, let me stop it. Listen, listen, started. David. David, your homophobia is showing, okay? Your homophobia <laughs> is showing. It's like seeping out through the skin. I can admit a guy's good looking. Yeah. Oh, I can. It's, just, it's, it's been a very much a lot of it. <laughs> I saw someone the other day saying that uh, a lot of girls are really attracted to uh, Matt Olson. I mean, not that he's a bad looking guy. He just wasn't someone who I would particularly ever point to as like, oh, yeah, this is the attractive guy in the MLB. I, I don't know. That's, that's going to be our next. That's going to be a future question of the week. Who's the most tr- attractive player in the MLB? <laughs> and David <laughs> answer. I can see it. I can see it. Are you looking at a picture of him? I am. Uh, okay. Yeah, this it's I'm live looking and judging the attractiveness of Matt Olson. So, so wait, is it is it bad that I drafted Jack Flaherty for part of the reason that he's an attractive guy and I feel like attraction exudes confidence? Like you want a pitcher to be confident. I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody is more confident than Lance Lynn and he is one ugly dude. That's, that's a good <laughs> I don't know. Lance Lance Lynn has that rugged I could down ten beers and pitch look, which some people can find kind of hot. That yeah, dude okay. is like pouring buckets of sweat before he's even taken the mound. Like, I I don't know. I'm going to go. We're going to stay in L.A. And I'm going Clayton Kershaw. One, because he's an attractive male. So no, he's we'll, not, David. Oh, my we'll get gosh. that out of the way. You took this joke way too far. But You, dude, you guys have very different tastes than men. <laughs> at least it doesn't get in the way. When you guys go out looking for other guys, at least it doesn't get in the way. You guys are, you know, attractive different dudes. <laughs> Good thing we both good. have girlfriends to cover. It I up. feel like our standards aren't very good here, but uh, but I'm only also saying this because he was in um uh what's the show called um um oh my god he was in the show it's a uh, entourage entourage he was in entourage Clint oh. Kershaw was yeah he was in at least one episode was so he? he's yeah hmm. uh, 
it was one of like the earlier ones because I remember seeing it. it's like when he's like really young, like one of his first years with the Dodgers. So he looked even handsomer in the role. So <laughs> he's a dual threat, handsome and in the in entourage. So I think that that will win that question. See, now he's trying to compensate because you called him homophobic, Art. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he goes calling Clayton Kershaw handsome. There are way more people that deserve it than him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. We have a whole but, show on this, guys. Yeah. Next week's segment. Next week's segment. Our lineup of all attractive players. Oh, <laughs> it, now you're thinking. I, like I mean, it. I'll tune in. Let's hear it. Yeah. Are there any attractive catchers? I feel like we're going to have to put no, that. That was the laws of nature. <laughs> all right. Let's get to the last part of the night here. And that's going to be our game of the week. It's time to do. do, do all right. Yugi getting us pumped for those Yu-Gi-Oh fans out there. Uh, it's our game of the week. Cheesecake is hosting this week. So what are we playing? Uh, we are playing Hoop and a Harm, my favorite game. This uh, this week, there will be a question. Mary F. Kill. That's what we're playing this week. No, um, sorry. No, we are not playing we'll that. that for when you're on in a couple of weeks. Bob. Yeah. Um, so we are, we're playing hoop and a harm. This is a game where the three of you answer a question to narrow the field from three players down to two. And that question is worth two points. And the second question is worth one point, like a free throw shot in a basketball game. So you have uh, to the, say it. Wait, say it again. Sorry. So Dave, so, art is the worst at talking about the game, but once we start playing, you'll like, you'll get it. Okay. Okay. So the first question I'm, I'm asking all three of you are going to answer. I was waiting and for two, and one, and the two close. Yeah, the two, well, Dave will know if he's a if he's a Cavaliers fan. Boozer is famous for going and one. That's my man, <laughs> Booze. Booze. Um, uh, well, he betrayed us, so we don't like him here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You might, but you remember. <laughs> you remember. Uh, the first question is going to be um, number based, so you guys can't guess the same as anyone else who's guessed and the two closest to the answer get to go on to the second round, which is a player player answer question. And you guys can't answer the same because there's one right answer for that. And you get two points for making it to the second round, uh, the, 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 the making it to the foul shot part and one point for making the foul shot. This, so you'll, you'll get it. You'll yes. get it. Once I start, <laughs> no, the question. I'm gonna be slow, but go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll try to pick this up. All right. Round one, uh, the hoop. To get the two points, Shane Bieber has 98 strikeouts through 10 games this season. How many strikeouts did he have through 10 games in 2020? The closest two to the answer. Move on to the to the foul shot round. We'll start with uh, D. Mendy. David. I know he's had more Ks this year, I think, than the start of Flash. No, I think he had, because I think he had a record through the first 10 starts or something like that. So I'll say it was 86. Uh, uh, Big Mac, how you doing? <laughs> <Is that me? laughs> I'm liking that. I'm, I, I thought Mac must be your nickname. That's funny. Um, yeah, I've never heard any McDonald joke before. That's, that's a new one. <laughs> Did you ever have a farm? Oh, my God. The amount of kids used to prank me. Uh, old McDonald, Ronald McDonald. Can I get some fries with that? I heard um, it all, man, growing up. Oh, yeah. Kids are. Uh, Where's the hamburger? Yeah, exactly. You know, kids are not super creative, so uh, they have to go with what's in front of them. 
I was saying that I was saying that because an Irish guy I was talking to says if your name starts with Mick in Irish, everyone calls you Mac. That's just your nickname in Ireland. Yeah, so or Mick like, or Mac. Yeah, I don't know if that's yeah. the uh, Irish or Scottish or whatever. It doesn't matter. You've I'm given a guy him, anyway, so you, you've given him a lot of time to think about Shane. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with ninety-three. Wow, Sorry. that's what I was really going to say. Can't guess the same numbers. Can't I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going ninety-two then. I'm going ninety-two. All right. In 2020 through 10 games, Shane Bieber had 102 strikeouts. So Damn, I was, I was going to say I thought it might have been higher, but I thought I thought that he set the record this year. That's what I thought too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Doc and uh, Doc and Mac are in the sec- are in the foul shot round. Uh, all right. the The foul shot is who was the first Cleveland hitter to hit a home run this season? Are we buzzing in? Just taking... No, no, no! You guys both get a guess. You guys can both. You guys can guess, and it can be the same answer if you guys think. Oh shit! Um, say, so, uh, uh, Dave, uh, why don't you start first? Man, uh, I I don't know. I'm gonna go with. I want to say Jordan Lupul or Roberto Perez. I'll go with. Uh, I'll go with Lupulo. Doc, I'm gonna go Perez because if I get it, I'll That's horrible. You know what? You know what, Doc? Your process is perfect. Roberto <laughs> Perez is the right answer. You <laughs> just stood on Dave's shoulders to dunk. Oh man! So we have Doc with three points, Dave with two points, and uh, David with zero. All right, Sorry. round two. The New York Mets sit in first place at 22 and 20 after 42 games in 2021. What was the Mets record after 42 games in 2020? Dave, McDonald, you start first. What was their record after how many games is it again? They're 22 and 20 in first place, 22 and 20 right now. And in 2020, what was their record after 42 games? Okay. Uh... Don't say my answer. Okay. <laughs> um, let's go with uh, 17 and 25. I'm going to go nine, or I'm going to go 19 and 23. And David, I'm going to guarantee me the two points and go 18 and 24. <laughs> <laughs> the, the correct answer <laughs> Is seventeen to twenty-five. Oh, look at that! Oh, that's yeah. pretty good. Nice. So uh, wow. the two the two closest are Dave and David. Uh, and you probably that's fine. I'm good with Mac. That. I I don't know if no one calls you Mac. I don't, no, you know, no, I don't, no. I mean, I get Dmax or Dmax. Yeah, it's it's cool. Mac is uh, Mac is has four points now. David and David has two. Eric has three. But the foul shot. Who is the Mets leader in runs scored this season? We are going to start with uh, Mendy. D. Mendy. God, they have like a whole like half their lineups triple A right now. (laughs) I'm trying to to think. Um, Who stayed healthy in their lineup? Um, I'm going to say it is. 
even though he's hurt, I'm going to say it's it's Jeff McNeil. Mac? I'm going to go with Lindor because he stayed healthy and he's hitting towards the top of the lineup. You know, he hasn't been very good. The correct answer, Pete Alonzo. Really? 21-19 for Lindor. So. Okay. Round three. Doc, you're lead. You're you're the first to answer in the in the uh, in the hoop. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa on 15 team Yahoo Roto leagues is the what ranked overall player this season? Closest to move on to the next round. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa. He does have a lot of steals. He was catcher eligible last year, but that's besides the point. Do they do they rank uh, by position somehow? Like, is that weighted in there? It's Yahoo, so he has catcher eligibility. I mean, he does. Does, that, does that like increase his his ranking because he has catcher eligibility? You know what i I want to say it does. I'm not sure how Rasball okay. does their player rater, but I want to say um, it probably does. Is he is he third base and shortstop eligible in Yahoo as well? Stop stalling and just answer the question. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to literally help you. Yeah, I I um, I don't know. But I, I know he has he still has catcher eligibility because I've heard that talked about. All right, I'm gonna go twenty one. Twenty first overall player? Overall yeah. player, yep. It's not that high, I don't think. That could be Stop could stalling. Be <laughs> I'll say he's I could be way off base. I'm gonna say he's like fifty sixth. Matt. All right. I'm going to go 24. Wow. 23 is the correct oh. answer. Mac and uh, and Doc are right on that one. I didn't, think he, was that, I didn't think he was that high. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's he's because you're being... He's contributing in every category right now because he's hitting homers. He's, he's stealing bases. He's runs RBI. He's playing every day. He hasn't been injured, so... You know he's he's uh, racking everything up right now. That's for that's what you get for being a Pittsburgh Pirates catcher, David. What you're being a I Jacob don't... Stallings? <laughs> <laughs> wow! <That's really> <laughs> the uh, the foul shot. Nate Lowe has driven in 30 runs for Texas's first 50 games. Texas's 60 game leader in RBIs last season was 30. Who led the team? In RBIs last season, Doc, you go first. Are we talking about for the full season twenty twenty? For the full twenty twenty, yeah, yeah, full twenty twenty, full twenty twenty. Wow. I kind of want to say a joke answer like the ghost of Adrian Beltre, but (laughs) um, I'm gonna go Rube Neto Door. I know that's wrong though. Matt? Man, I'm trying to think of who left there because I'm sure it's probably someone who's not there anymore. That's what I was thinking. But I can't I can't remember uh, off off the I'm not good at this stuff on the fly, but I'm just gonna go with Joey Gallo. It's an obvious answer, but I don't know. And Doc's process is right again. Rubnet Odor led the Rangers wow. in RBIs with 30 last season. Wow. wow. Yes, 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 sir. I knew I, I knew Gallo was too obvious. So I was like, yeah, that's all I can think of though. So uh, going round four, going back to uh, to St. Louis. How many uh, rounds do we have? 
eight. Uh, let's not do eight. Let's do let's how about we do five for time purposes. Okay. Uh round four. The St. Louis Cardinals are in first place at twenty seven and twenty two right now in twenty. Oh, we got hold on, we got Brock in the chat, so Brock's gonna play the game too. <laughs> <laughs> I, this this looks familiar. <laughs> I I'm turning the private chat on so I don't see. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not okay. gonna look at it till after. Round four, the St. Louis Cardinals are in first place at 27 and 22 in 2021 on pace for an 89 and 73 overall record. But what is the St. Louis Cardinals' worst winning percentage of all time? Closest to getting to, to move on to the foul shots. Uh, uh, David, you go first. Their worst record? Worst winning percentage. Their worst winning percentage. Because they didn't always play 162 games. So. Oh. You must have gotten joy looking at this question. So much joy. Yeah. So much joy. I'm going to say 440. Okay. Their uh, worst Mac, ever? Worst ever, yep. Huh. Whose turn is it? Sorry. Yours, Mac. Oh, um, I'm going to go with uh, 340. I'm Doc. going three eight. I'm going three eighty. Four forty is the worst winning percentage ever. Seems way too. Yeah, high. I think the Cardinals have been like not like horrible for as long as I can remember, and maybe that's. Bro, it takes one bad year. We'll see. And they've also been around since eighteen eighty two. So that's true. In eighteen ninety seven, they had a two twenty one. <laughs> A two twenty one winning percentage. I'm just throwing the game we, away we, right now. We, we, we <laughs> should we yeah. should have figured that it we should have we should have figured it would have been ridiculously low. Ask yeah, back yeah. glory days. I didn't have to go that low. He started at four forty, so I didn't go lower than that. You guys are welcome for that. <laughs> you suck, David. <laughs> All right, the foul shot. Who is the Cardinals' leader in extra base hits in twenty twenty one? Start with Mac. Cardinals leader in extra base hits. Hmm. You stayed healthy. Uh, I'm going to go with Tommy Edmond. That is the right answer. As much as I want to say Arenado, I know it is Tommy Edmond. You can't say that. No, you can can say the same answer. In this round, oh, you already wrote his coattails yeah. once, Eric. Are you gonna do it again? <laughs> it is Tommy Edmonds, the right answer. <laughs> as as much as much joy as I'm gonna get out of this dog, Nolan Arenado's the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I I take so oh much joy god, from that. Right? Oh my god. That was stupendous. <laughs> At least we know he's not cheating. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Um, so the last, so this is the last round. Yeah. First time right now, uh, Dave and Eric are tied with eight points. Uh, I mean, Mac and Eric are tied with eight points each. David, you are out of it, but, uh, (laughs) you're still, you're still participating. Woo! David's out! Yeah! Okay. Uh, Uh, Coors Field plays as a hitter's ballpark. On Roto Fanatic Park Factors, where 100 is league average, right-handed batter's home run percentage is 118. But a right-handed batter's triple percentage is what? Start with Doc. He's like, how do I even answer this question? I'm going to say 
72. Mandy? Uh, I'll say 64. Max? I'll say, I think it's really high, actually. I'm going to say like 175. Well, Mac, you're on, but you didn't go high enough. It's oh, 199. Wow. It's 199. Oh, wow. Well, well, at least, at, at least I'm higher than David, so I go to the and <laughs> one. I, I just think that's so you guys can have a competitive last uh, and one here. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, um, well, that's good. So, if who is the Colorado Rockies team leader in triples? This is Mac, for the win, right? This, this is for the win, right? Mac triples this season. Yes. Oh God. Um, Wait, should I go first because he went first last time? No, yeah, I think you went first last time. No, because he said no, no, Edmund. He did Edmund. He did Edmund. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Doc, you go first. <laughs> Garrett Hampson. I think I know who it is. Actually, I I I have another guy, and if I if it's if, if he's the one, he's a Bubba guy. I mean, Hampson David. was, it was definitely Hampson or Tapia. Uh, that was, the, that was the other one I was thinking I mean, of. Blackman's another possibility, but I don't think he's running that much anymore. I guess since you went with Hampson, I'll go, I'll go with Tapia to make it interesting, but I think it's Hampson. It is Hampson. Garrett Hampson has four triples this season already. He is leading the Rockies. And Doc, uh, uh, based on the benevolence of Mac, you win this, you win this game because he didn't, he didn't go with his gut. But uh, congratulations, Doc. You win Hoop and Harm this week. Do I get my one-person cheer, David? Thank you for always believing in me, that one person. Can, I wish they said yay more when David got wrong answers. That would just make it better. No, it's only the one occasional time you win games. They're the one person sitting in the entire section of the Eric cheering section. At least I don't embarrass myself like you do. I never do as bad as you do. <laughs> oh, my God. Go ahead. Go ahead and get your laughs in. But I want to thank Dave because it was uh, super fun having you on the show tonight. Uh, long overdue because we've long loved all the stuff that you do at, at Rotosaurus. And um, anything you would like to plug uh, or anything you're working on you want to tell our audience? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, guys. Like you said, um, you know, I, I, I've been wanting to come on for a while. So it was really, it was really great to get the uh, invite. Uh, love, your, love your pod here. And uh, thank you guys for supporting us as well. Um, I believe we voted. I, we were talking about like voting for each other a lot during the, <laughs> yeah. uh, the uh, pod uh, championship bracket. So uh, yeah, it's always good to have mutual support. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I I I told this uh, to someone else the other day. I had pneumonia for like a month and a half, so I'm really behind with uh, with some stuff because I got hired by Rotographs, but I haven't actually started writing for them yet. So. Be on the lookout for that. Uh, hopefully, in the next, like within this next week, um, I'm trying to catch up on some work first. But uh, and then Jake stops uh, teaching next week, so hopefully we're gonna get back into uh, high stakes heat pretty soon. So uh, we'll have some new episodes for you guys. I uh, would love to hear that. I love to hear that you're doing better too. Uh, well, thank you. And um, check out the Rotosaurus Pod. It is definitely, especially when they're starting to to crank out some new episodes. Uh, it is very valuable information, very entertaining pod. Make sure you, you check them out. Uh, next week, we'll be joined by the mayor of baseball town, Yancey Eaton, and a triple oh. first-timer in the Schwebs. The Schwebsy. Love him. Uh, should be a fun show. Till then, everybody, stay safe. Enjoy another week of baseball. And-
and we're gonna make like a good old bread truck and haul these buns. We'll catch you next week. Gosh, got a new one, David.